Hello and welcome to episode 244 of the Waters Waveland podcast. I'm your host, Wei Shen, and as usual, I've got Tony with me here today. Hey, Tony, how are you doing? You know, so it's the time of year, getting toward Thanksgiving here in America. and But basically, so the middle of November till about December 20th, around then. And every year I say, this is the year I quit. This is... <laughs> Oh my God, this is the year I quit. But you know, I keep on pushing. 13 years now, I've been pushing through. <laughs> but, uh, Why is it around Thanksgiving time that you, you feel it's, like it's just, there's, there's No, it's just so much that has to get done. It's just, it's you gotta, there's so much that needs to get done um, from a subscriptions per, uh, point of view, just making sure that, you know, that you've been doing reach out. There's, you know, there's stories that we want to get done before the end of the year. So it's just not so it doesn't kind of just calcify over the the holiday break. There's just and then there's just a lot of things that just got to get done. And it's just every year it's every year. It's like you think I'd be prepared for it every year. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just going to quit this year. It's going to be the year. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> now, but everything's great. Everything's wonderful. It's midnight here in america and uh yeah you know it's a uh, it's a good day <laughs> but we got, good... <laughs> we got oh, a better conversation than what i'm saying right now we, we have a good guest uh thankfully so you don't have to listen to me just uh bellyache for uh for an hour um we actually got guests for the next few weeks uh already done the recordings are done so we're actually in good shape so we're in good shape. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. <laughs> does that answer your question, Weishan? Yeah, 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 it does. I'm a little, I'm a little concerned for you, but anyway, <laughs> we'll deal okay. with that another time. I have, I have a nice Arturo Fuente cigar. I'm going to go out and smoke that once we're done, and it'll be good. So, But we I got a great guest. I will not try to begin to understand what kind of cigar that is. But anyway, tell us a little bit about our guest this week. So it's a return guest, uh, and it's funny we're we're changing places. So it's uh, Look at Weigel uh, from uh, IBM. Uh, he spoke with you, uh, with Wei Shen, mm. um, back in December, I think it was about cloud and uh, yeah, it was just a, a kind of a, a containerization, a cloud yep. and containerization. Um, this discussion. It goes in a di different direction. It's actually really interesting. I thought it was really interesting because it talks about uh, mainframe. So IBM is you know, the biggest mainframe provider out there. Um, that's what, you know, that's you know, when you talk to my dad, who's 75, he built computers, he built data centers back in the day. He knows IBM mainframes inside and out. Um, so we talked about the need for mainframe modernization, even as firms are transitioning to the cloud. As much as people would say, yeah, we're going to be cloud, we're going to be cloud native. So many, so much, the, the vast majority, some estimates say 90, 95% of workflows of banks and asset managers are still on premises. They're not, it's not mm. done in the cloud. So you have to maintain these mainframes for uh, security reasons. If you want to do analytics, if you want to do AI, so that was the conversation. Um, it's it's a uh, it's an old school technology 
but talking about it in kind of a new school way. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, the conversation. Look, at, if you ever listened to him talk before, you know, he's he's an enjoyable person to talk with, as you well know, Wei Shen. And if anybody listened to the to his uh, cloud discussion they had on previously. Yeah, I remember speaking to him and it was really fun as well. And I, I, I really I look forward to you. listening to this. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> but it's okay, we can share. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, let's get to it then. Absolutely. See y'all next week. See ya. All right, and now I am joined by Liggett Waggle, uh, General Manager of Global Banking and Financial Markets at IBM. Uh, for listeners of this show, regular listeners, uh, this is uh, Liggett's uh, second uh, appearance with us. He joined in December to talk about the challenges and opportunities surrounding public cloud adoption and containerization. So, uh, Liggett, thanks so much uh, for being back with us. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, I really appreciate you having me. Thank you. Absolutely. So today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, hardware, I guess, uh, in some ways, mainframes. Um, IBM obviously is in the cloud game, right? Uh, but they're obviously still very much in the mainframe business, uh, one of the leading suppliers. Uh, while firms in the capital market space, you know, and this is especially true of banks and exchanges, I would say, uh, like to talk a big game about cloud migration um, and being cloud native. Uh, the fact of the matter is that the vast majority really of workloads today are still done in the uh, still done uh, on premises, not in the cloud. Uh, so the way I would like to start it is. As capital market firms uh, embark on a cloud migration projects. Why is it nest? Why do you think it's necessary to still consider mainframe modernization efforts? You know, what are the dangers? And you know, let's see if you can win over the skeptics that might think that IBM is just trying to sell something here. But why is it actually uh, something that that firms really still need to consider as they're making this migration process? So, so I think um, I think if you look if you look at it at a, at a very core level, right, which is which is really uh, uh, before we would come into this as IBM, there is there is a regulatory and a data privacy environment. Which basically means that um, you know anything uh, that is mission critical in terms of workload, uh, a banking business is uh, still very much struggling to be able to put it uh, into the public cloud because it doesn't meet those requirements around around regulation and data privacy. Right. So again, a different way of looking at this would be to say, uh, you know, as far as systems of engagement are concerned, and I think this has kind of started very much more on the kind of retail side, but it's applying much more, you know, equally as quickly on the capital market side. You know, as far as systems of engagement are concerned, where there is little data involved, where there is little um, regulatory environments uh, that you've got to comply with, those systems of engagement can absolutely be put onto the uh, public clouds and, and can be put onto the public clouds very quickly. And, and you know, most of the banks that have decided, uh, you know, on a rapid move to the public cloud, the 10 or 15% of their workloads that they are in, in the process of migrating or they have migrated are actually those systems of engagement, right? Mm-hmm. When you get into uh, systems of analytics and you get into systems of record, systems of record being, you know, the kind of big, uh, middle and back office systems, those are then subject to all of those regulations, right? And and the banks are are actually finding it's quite difficult 
to be able to move those things across because they've got to go through a, a whole compliance with, with regulation um, perspective. I think the second part of this that is making it uh, quite complex as well is that for those mission critical workloads where really the action is, right? Because if, if you're looking at it from the perspective of, you know, how does a capital markets company really achieve the flexibility and agility that it's looking for, which is one side of it. The other side of it is how do I radically reduce the costs that are associated with these particular applications? Then those applications need to be modernized, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense just to take an application in the form that it is today, even if it was, uh, you know, able to comply with the regulatory requirements and put it, uh, you know, onto the public cloud in the exact same form that it is today, right? Because that's not really going to give you either the agility, and it sure uh, is not going to, 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 you know, move the needle as far as cost is concerned, right? So, in the banks themselves, they're having to go through some pretty difficult decisions around, you know, how do I prioritize the applications that I'm going to modernize? How am I going to make sure that my business buys into the fact that a large chunk of these will now require uh, rationalization? And this is a particular issue in capital markets, right? Within capital markets companies, you know, every time the business has wanted something, they've gone out and created a new application, right? Despite the fact that the differences between some of these applications are actually quite small. So you've got a whole plethora of overlapping applications out there which which do need to be rationalized but that's a big change management function right so if you bring all of these things together and then on the other side turn around you know the conclusion you're starting to come to is that it's going to be some considerable time before uh, we are in an environment where a, 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 a an investment bank is going to be able to put a substantial chunk of its workloads, particularly those mission critical workloads, onto the onto public cloud. And which is why, you know, when you look at some of the bigger banks around the world, what they're talking about is, you know, migrating into a private cloud environment and keeping some of the other workloads where it makes sense, you know, on their existing systems, which are those mainframe systems, right? And 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 to finish this this particular discussion, you know, it still doesn't take away the need to go through that transformation exercise, right? So where we're coming from is we're saying, look, if you if you're looking out over the next 12 to 24 to 36 months, and you're going to have a hybrid cloud strategy that's got uh, you know, private cloud is a significant element of your strategy and a mainframe as a significant element of your strategy, then, you know, in, in order to achieve the benefits you need to achieve, you really do need to be transforming both the applications as well as the infrastructure that it sits on, right? Okay. Let me play then, you know, devil's advocate, kind of a dumb devil, if you don't mind. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm still not fully understanding. So, you know, firms are, they are migrating more and more workloads to the cloud. That is projects that are underway. It's what they want. They they want to be cloud native for, you know, for the most part, you know, these are the kind of the thinkings there. Why is it that we, we always talk about problems of legacy infrastructure and specifically how legacy infrastructure leads to technical debt and the issues that that creates. But why then is it important that you have to modernize your mainframe if ultimately the end goal is to be moving away from that kind of of an older structure? Does that question make sense? And maybe help me, maybe give an example to help me better understand why that's such a necessary, why you can't forget about this piece over here as you're moving to this piece over here. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think I think it's a great question, right? And I, and I think it's a question that makes a lot of sense. And, and that is exactly the question that we are 
working with a lot of our clients on, right? I mean, they 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 want they 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 want and and they and they want to get into very much the, the kind of specifics, right? And the end of the day, it comes down to, you know, what is the business case that is associated with you know with with what we're talking about uh, what we're talking about here. I think I think at, uh, I mean I would I would break this Anthony down down into kind of two parts, right? One one part of it is going to be just the um, you know, very significant improvement in capability and technology that that is coming on stream as far as the mainframe itself is concerned, right? So if, if, if you are looking at, you know, real-time data processing and analytics, if you were looking at, you know, security, particularly in an environment which is more and more subject to um, things like cybercrime and ransomware, all of that sort of thing, if you are looking to have an environment that gives you the same type of agility and flexibility for application development as you're, as, as you're, as you're seeking in a cloud-native environment, right? If you're looking for modern languages, I mean, one of the things around uh, around the mainframe has always been in its old COBOL language. I'm actually looking for something which is modern language. I'm looking for a for a, for a, an architecture which is open, which is Linux-based as opposed to closed. All of those capabilities are now available in the mainframe today, right? And they will be available, um, you know, even more enhanced in the next version of the mainframe that comes out, you know, in the early part of, 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 of next year. Now, if you are if you are an organization and your roadmap, uh, as, as I'm suggesting, requires you to continue to have a major element of mainframe, you know, for at least the next three to five years, then going back to the point that you're making around around legacy debt, you can't afford for five years to be you know running on an infrastructure that's going to be rapidly going out of date in terms of the capabilities you need, right? Where you cannot do real time uh, analytics, where you have issues around the level of security, you know, you just as a bank cannot afford to to, to be in that particular environment, right? So the point that we are actually making is, you know what, it's going to take you a while. To, to realize the strategy around around cloud for the reasons that we've actually talked about. But that's not the end of the world because there are a number of capabilities that are now built into mainframe that would give you uh, the sorts of benefits that you're looking for by moving to cloud. Now the question that is a little bit more challenging is, oh, so does this actually mean that an organization doesn't mean, need to move into public cloud at all, right? And I think on that particular thing, my, my view would be the, jur the, jury's, the jury's kind of out. I mean, I'm not suggesting at this moment in time that a bank should be changing its strategy and not be looking to have something which is a hybrid strategy. But the point I'm making is that if you look at it from the perspective of capabilities that they need, they need to have, if you look at it from the perspective of security and data privacy that they're looking for, if you look at it from the perspective of, of, of the kind of benefits case from a cost perspective, then I think the winning strategy is going to be a hybrid strategy, right? It, you know, in the bank, it's not going to be 90% public cloud and then a very small percentage that kind of sits on premise, right? I think it is going to be a strategy where you know, it's probably going to be, I don't know what the actual split would be, but it's, it's likely to be pretty even between public cloud, private, and the existing kind of mainframe type of structure, right? And which is why I think it's important to modernize that mainframe structure. Okay, and so you, you kind of mentioned this already, but you know, so from a cybersecurity perspective, from a, um, a uh, artificial intelligence and from analytics perspective, 
there are certainly advancements being made uh, to modern mainframe. So is right now the, uh, forgive me, I, I, I kind of looked up, but mainframe is not my uh, my subject area of expertise, but is it the Z15? Is that the the most up-to-date uh, mainframe that uh, IBM right now uh, is rolling out? And then this summer you're gonna look to roll out another one? Exactly, so you know, this goes to, you know, these goes through these high coasts, right? So the current, the current uh, Z version is is the Z15. It, it has a number of those capabilities that I've already talked about, right? So things like, uh, you know, real-time analytics is something that the Z15 is capable of supporting. Same with, uh, you know, the HyperProtect capability that it has that provides that security. There will be um, a new version of the ZZ16 that will kind of come out, as I said, in the early part of next year, which will enhance a number of, of those capabilities and, and, and add to that. Okay. So I guess then, you know, as trading firms want, you know, something we write a lot about, but they want more and more data, um, you know, the proverbial like alt data, ESG, and then blending that with traditional data and reference data. And uh, the ability, because it's not just kind of having the content, you got to provide context around the content, right? So you take these uh, 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 data sets, put them together, um, and then you run analytics on it. This can obviously be done more efficiently and cost effectively in the cloud in a in an in a theoretical way but as we said in the beginning i think that you guys have an estimate out that say uh while other i'm, I'm not sure if it's an ibm uh, one but this is one i saw uh, on ibm but while other industries have moved as much as 25 percent of their workloads to the cloud less than 10 percent of financial services workloads uh have made that transition and even fewer have deployed ai so where today as we look at it, so if, if only 10%, when we're talking about big data analytics and we're talking about AI deployment, where does the the mainframe of today fit into that ecosystem uh, for your major banks, asset managers, exchanges, and the like? So, so I think, um, you know, if I if I if I kind of take a step back from this, right, the 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 um, imperative within within the banks, right, and and you know this has been uh, prevalent to some extent in the capital markets industry for some time, right. But if you go more broadly into capital markets, so if you if you go more into wholesale banking and, for instance, into corporate banking, that side of the capital markets business, the thing that's becoming more and more of an imperative is is this concept concept of uh, you know fulfilling instantaneously, right. Mm -hmm. What more and more, I mean, this, this is something that, uh, you know, you and I as, a, as an individual consumer are getting used to, right? I mean, we're used to Amazon, things get delivered the next day if I've ordered it today. Now, with my bank, I want exactly that same sort of experience, right? Which is if I apply for a loan, I don't want to be waiting for days before that loan gets approved and the money lands in my account, right? I want to be able to uh, see that money almost instantaneously. That kind of consumer behavior is now spreading very rapidly into, into the kind of corporate side as well, right? And increasingly what, uh, what the banks are starting to find is like, you know, if you're gonna take ages to do your KYC type of uh, arrangements, if you're gonna take a long time in order, to, you know, before you're able to underwrite and approve a credit decision and the money actually becomes available to the, the person that is seeking the borrowing, then that is not the kind of experience that they're looking for. And there are plenty of businesses out there, particularly the tech fins, that are increasingly coming up the value chain, right? I mean, they're, they're in small and medium enterprise, they're now getting even, even bigger. You know, you look at folks like Square and Stripe and all of these other folks, they are, they are, 
you know, able to provide lending instant instantaneously, right? Now, if you if you are if you are going to compete effectively in that sort of business, you do need to be able to run analytics real time in order to be able to take the decisions, right? So any analytic environment that you've got at this moment in time where you know the data sits in a particular repository, I then need to drag that data off from that repository, put it into somewhere in the cloud, then I'm gonna run my analytics on it, and then I'm gonna put the data back where it kind of came from. You know, that has two problems, right? I mean, one is there is the latency, there's a time lag involved uh, in, in that particular exercise, right? And, and, and your ability to be real time is challenged. The other piece is it does open you, you up to some security risks, right? Because every time you're taking the data off and you're putting the data back, you know, there are there are just the chances that there could be there could be there could be a breach, right? So those are the two things that are that are becoming an issue. I mean, I, I mean I had a very good client, in fact, is a very good client of ours, uh, you know, back in Singapore. They've been one of the most aggressive banking companies in terms of moving stuff to to the public cloud, right? But when you know some of these um, more um, uh, you know public breaches of data happened, right? Data privacy happened, uh, which created reputational damage to a number of the banking businesses. Um, you know, some of these happened in the U.S. You know, the board of that company, you know, was very clear with the chief executive, right? They wanted him to go back and really look at this very, very carefully in terms of what they were seeking to do and provide assurances to the board that that public cloud strategy was not going to result in this particular bank having the same problem. And, you know, that's resulted in the bank, you know, quite substantially changing its strategy, right? It went from a commitment that they had made very publicly to, to the market and, and everybody else that they wanted to have the vast majority of their of workload sitting in the public cloud, and they changed that strategy around to something that I was describing previously, right? Where, where now, uh, it wouldn't so much be public; it would be private cloud, and uh, you know, um, a small amount of their workloads will, for some considerable amount of time, sit, you know, continue to sit on on that kind of mainframe infrastructure, but modernized mainframe infrastructure. In that case, they've gone. I think they went from Z14 to Z15. Okay, so. I think that, and if I understood you correct before, so if you're looking at like the next decade, you you you're always gonna you always you believe that there's always going to be a very robust market for mainframe, and that even the some firms that are even more aggressively ahead in migration, it'll be an even split. Again, please tell me if I'm if I'm getting this correct. There'll be kind of an even split between public, private, on-prem. Um, as far as storage, is that is that correct? Am I characterizing that correct? I think I think you're you're absolutely characterizing it right, right? And 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 um, you know the the areas where uh, you know we you um, know and I I strongly expect to see uh, creativity coming into being is again um, you know pressure both on the private cloud side as well as on the uh, on the mainframe side to start to replicate some of the benefits of public cloud, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, like I said to you already, right, the, the whole thing around, uh, you know, the, 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 the way in which you develop on this platform needs to look as agile, as flexible as, as the public cloud. Now, I wouldn't in any way seek to suggest that it's there already, but, you know, it's kind of progressed, uh, uh, you know, quite a, quite a lot towards that space. I think the other one uh, is is this um, is has been one of these kind of core requirements, right? Which is 
you know, I, I want to be able to um, handle, uh, you know, I want to have something which gives me the ability, the flexibility to handle these pitches and troughs, right? So I don't have a lot of redundant capacity that is sitting there uh, just in case I have a spike in volumes, right? Because if you if you have, uh, you know, hardware that's sitting in your data center, then that's hardware you have paid for, uh, and and you know you've incurred the capex, you know, to create the redundancy, right? Whereas in a public cloud environment, you don't have to do that. You would just turn on the additional capacity in and in and when you you need it. Now, again, a number of the uh, commercial constructs which have been created even from the mainframe is now enabling those clients to do that and it's getting more and more sophisticated as we go as we go forward right so that there again uh, from a commercial perspective the 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 picture is starting to look uh, you know a lot a lot more attractive than than uh, you know it may 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 have looked at looked in the past right okay for my last question i kind of want to think well outside of the box here just because another uh, arm of IBM is working on something very, very interesting. You guys are one of the leaders in quantum uh, development. How does that play as you kind of look to the future? And if this idea of commercialized quantum computers would hit the market within, let's say, a decade, which would be aggressive, you know, it'd be it'd be ahead of some people's thoughts. But how would that affect the idea of not just mainframe, but then public uh, and private cloud uh, adoption, I guess. Does that would that completely change the paradigm or is that something that would on road pretty easily with what's already in place? See, I think I think for the I think for the banking industry, right? I mean, if we if we were just being fanciful for a minute, um, yeah. no, I think I think quantum is you know, could be a very, very, very significant game changer, right? And let me let me let me just give you three examples. I mean, one is going to be, uh, you know, the the need to to uh, radically rethink what's happening from an encryption perspective, right? Because all of the current uh, encryption capabilities are redundant when you get into a quantum capability, right? So that's going to be that's going to have to be one area that. You know, really has to get addressed, and quantum is going to have to support the addressing of that particular piece. Right? So that's just one example. You look at another example, which is you know you get into all of these algorithms that are supporting instantaneous trading and things like that in in capital markets. Again, the models that have been created, the models that are being run. I think if they've got quantum capabilities supporting those models, you're going to be in a different environment from what you know you are at today right so i think i think that's going to be a second area uh, where uh, where um, you know this is going to work i think the third thing is also going to be and this is where maybe and, and i'm i'm just thinking out aloud here right i think there's yeah. going to be a lap between uh, you know that computing capability and what you know banks and others are going to have to do from an esg perspective right from a sustainability perspective because i think what mm -hmm. this computing capability will mean is that it, you know you will need less capacity to do more things than you're 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 having to do today right which is also going to be quite important if the banks are going to start to really meet and exceed the commitments around zero carbon and things like that so i think that's that's another area where it would where it would be different now what would be interesting to see is, uh, you know, how quickly that sort of quantum capability could be provided to the banking industry on an as-a-service basis, right? As opposed to you having to buy your own 
uh, quantum computer and keep it, keep it yourself. And and I think you know, given the way in which, um, you know, given the way in which business is developing, right? I mean, I I would put some money money on the fact that right from the start. Uh, you know, the industry is going to be looking for and expecting to buy it as a service as opposed to necessarily, uh, you know, investing in buying their own quantum computers. There might be one or two very large banks out there who, who may feel that, you know, it's, a, it's, it's going to have to be a core competency. They do need to own it. They're going to own the asset and, and that'll be it. But there will be a lot of banks, I think, that will right from the start want to look at this from an asset service basis. And, and that does bring me back, you know, if I may, Anthony, to a discussion that we, we, we've been having. Um, you know, one of the other angles, which is which is actually, in my view, um, you know, driving public cloud adoption much faster than um, modernizing and migration, migrating existing existing applications is more and more banks are getting into uh, this paradigm of I'm going to buy rather than build, right? So they are actually looking for external software providers uh, from whom they buy, and they do want to buy from those external software providers on an as-a-service basis. So they're increasingly looking at, you know, does that software actually sit uh, on the public cloud and can I buy it in on the public cloud? Now, this is where, again, where we've come at it is we've said, look, you know, we've created the IBM Cloud for Financial Services. It, it has built into it the controls you need in order to meet regulatory requirements. It has in it the uh, hyperprotect services that I was talking about, you know, which protects your, your data by, by pervasively encrypting it. What that's actually doing to a, an ISV that is seeking to provide its services to a capital markets company is it's much faster for that, I, you know, for that ISV to be adopted by that particular bank, right? Because once it's adopted by one, you know, once it's kind of been attested as compliant in one jurisdiction, that applies to every single bank, right? So you don't have to go in and you know have Bank of America going through the test and then JP Morgan going through the test and somebody else going through the test, right? Which is a very convoluted process. So it takes a process that you know often takes nine to ten months down literally to a few weeks, right? For the in initial attestation. And like then, like I said, once it's been done once, it's applicable to everybody. So that's a, that's an area where I would I would expect to see quite a lot of public cloud uh, adoption, right? Because banks are really this this is new stuff, so they don't have that thing, and they really do want to buy it in on an as a service basis. And they and, and it's you know if you've got if you've got an ISV today that's not sitting on the public cloud, uh, then that's a major handicap, right? That's a major handicap. They're unlikely to win the business, right? Because banks are looking for it on an as a service basis. Does that make yeah, sense? 100%. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's one. It's it's exactly what everybody's saying to us now. It's 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 one of the interesting things, like that you've seen so many vendors that kind of the legacy providers trying to figure out how to adjust that as as a service becomes so Indeed. much more necessary as firms want to buy and take advantage of, as you say, these up and coming fintech providers in the AI space and and exactly. whatever have you, rather than having to build that sales, hire the engineers themselves and all that. Exactly. All right. Absolutely. Well, look, I really, as always, I appreciate your time today and uh, talking with us about some old school technology, but uh, in a new school way. So I appreciate the time. Thank you very much indeed. Once again, thanks for giving me the opportunity. Lovely to meet you.